You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Three months ago, we started Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we are just now getting into the last chapter, chapter 6. And I thought we would be done next week, but I actually found another sermon to extend this. So it's kind of like you won the lottery. You're welcome. In any case, two weeks ago when we last looked at Ephesians, we looked at the biblical model for marriage that had its beginning in Genesis chapter 2. God's intention for marriage between a man and a woman and for the husband to be head of the household. Men, we talked about you being the head of the family. And we asked the question, are you a bad head of the family or a good head of the family? And today we're going to go into chapter 6 of Ephesians and Paul is going to hone in still more on men. But first I want to offer this question to to all who are parents and moms and dads. So what kind of parent are you? How will your children perceive you, look to you, follow you? And, And men, what is your responsibility toward your own children? We live in a day where upwards of 40% of kids will go to bed tonight without a biological father. So, many men have handed over the responsibility to moms only. That's not their role. And what's even worse is that we have handed over responsibility to schools and prisons and churches to raise our children. Now, don't get me wrong. This is certainly not every man, not even close There are so many godly men, so many men who are involved in their family that are part of this church and are here right now. But if that's not you, then by God's grace, we can all change. And even if that is you, all of us can improve. There's no one who is perfect. Now, as you're going to see in Paul's letter the first words we're going to hear today are to the children. And then it's to parents. And then to dads in particular. Because God loves us. And God has bestowed upon us the title of father that we get to share with him. So first, Paul has some words for the children. Children. Now here comes a very controversial word. Obey. You know what that means in Greek? Obey. (laughs) Obey who? Your parents. Kids have parents. A mother, a father. We're into controversial stuff here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So parents are to teach on behalf of the Lord. Children are to obey their parents. For this is right. So now we're saying there's something that's right, and that means there's things that are wrong. Again, controversial stuff. He goes on. Honor your father and mother. (laughs) The kids in the room are like, I shouldn't have come today. (laughs) 
honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So he's in the midst of the Ten Commandments and saying this, and he's echoing the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So Paul is giving instructions first to children, those who are under authority, and then he's going to give instructions to parents, those who are in authority. You see, you and I need to think Bible when it comes to our kids. Children are a blessing. They are a blessing. The Bible tells us that. They are sometimes an expensive, messy blessing, but they are a blessing. They're also sinners. We do not believe that children are innately good. Every once in a while you may hear, oh, if we could all be innocent like kids. Jesus said, let the little children come to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. But what he's talking about is childlike faith and trust, not innocence. Remember, the Bible also says that all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. That includes children and babies. If you don't believe that, ask any parent. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You don't have to teach a child to throw a tantrum. You don't have to teach a child to disobey. They just have that in them. It's in their sin nature. So children are a blessing. They're also born with a sin nature. So what that means is that we have to view parenting shaped from our biblical convictions because you go out into culture Culture says that people are basically good, children are innocent, and all you really need to do is set them up into an environment where they can become whatever their heart desires. Look at the world. It's not going so well. If you just allow children to become what their fallen, sinful nature dictates, they'll never know that they need a new nature that they need to meet the Lord Jesus, that they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they need to come to Jesus Christ to have their sins forgiven in Christ. So we don't believe that people are born into a right relationship with God. They have to be born again into a right relationship with God. Some of us have maybe some very defiant children, and you're thinking, what on earth? What's wrong? Perhaps they need a new nature. You see, it's not just about trying to raise moral children. We want to have children who love God and obey Him from a new heart. Even little kids can learn a lot about Jesus. Even little kids can learn to know and love the Lord Jesus. And little children need parents who are in the Lord, who serve the Lord, who love the Lord, who represent the Lord in their teachings. And the child is to, two words from verse 1, obey and honor. Now, now obedience for all of us is, is mostly an outward display. I mean, this is, pick on a few teenagers, this is the teenager actually doing what the parent says. That's, that's obedience. And by the way, young folks, if your parent is in the Lord, they will not ask you to do something that's wrong or harmful. You just think that because you don't want to do that. So obedience is usually outward. Honor, on the other hand, is something inward. It's, it's why we want to do this thing. It's out of respect and love. 
Now, have you ever seen a kid who has outward obedience, but no inward honor? Please go clean the room. <laughs> really? God, seriously? Okay. So they'll, they'll do it. Obedience is there, but there's absolutely no honor in that. It's like our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He doesn't want us just to obey Him. He wants us to honor Him, to realize my Heavenly Father loves me. He's good to me. He's, his commands are good for me. I want to do what my dad says because my dad is always looking out for me. So I want to obey outwardly and I want to honor him inwardly. Parents, this means that you should teach your children. That you should be able to give instructions to your child and your child obey. And this differs from so much parenting philosophy and nonsense that's out there today that basically says, just create a safe environment for them and let them grow into whomever they will be. Again, this world in its wisdom does not know God. So children need to honor father and mother. The assumption is the best scenario for raising a child. What does it say? A father and a mother. It's crazy. That's what usually it takes to create one. Lo and behold, that's the best scenario for raising one. A man and a woman. Again, we're Christians. The whole world disagrees with us on most everything. So it's not a shock that they would disagree with us on this. What this means also is that the child needs to obey both father and mother. We have to assume that father and mother then are asking and talking about the same things. But how many of you didn't grow up in that home? Mom says no. <laughs> okay, I'll go ask dad. They don't agree with each other anyways. Lori and I didn't always get it right, but we did our best parenting when we were on the same page. A bad situation is when mom tells the kids to do something and the kids being defiant, dishonoring, disobedient and out of frustration, the mom's at her wit's end and she says, and see if you can complete this sentence, wait until your father gets home, wait until your dad gets home. If that needs to be said, the children are not obeying and honoring both father and mother. Mom is saying, you don't honor me, you don't obey me, wait until your dad gets home. He's bigger and more fierce, which isn't really a biblical argument. <laughs> but it's what a frustrated mom says, right? Sometimes the kids are doing things that are dangerous. You can't wait until dad gets home. Sometimes the kid, an older kid, is setting a bad example for a younger one. You, you got to address it. And let me say this, if you are a big brother, big sister, i got a word for you. Think of yourself as a disciple maker. You're either creating a worshiper or a terrorist because your little brother or sister wants to be like you. It can't be just wait until dad gets home because what that means is that the child is in charge until dad shows up. That's not a biblical home. It's not a healthy home. So verse one, again, children obey your parents in the Lord for that is right. God expects children 
to honor, to learn, to obey, and we cannot let the excuse of culture make Scripture go away. But we kind of do. We say, oh, (laughs) that's terrible twos that's going on for that child. Yeah, we get that. Wait till the third birthday candle is lit, then things will be so much different. Oh, they're in middle school? Yeah, well, ages 12 to 20, good luck with that. (laughs) You just expect rebellion. Oh, they're in their 20s. (laughs) If they're in college, you know what happens there? All they do is just party, drink, and major in stupid. I mean, that's what they do. You know, so just have fun and, and, and don't take any responsibility. And all of a sudden, we get a culture where we have adults that still act like children because they haven't matured in the Lord. They either didn't have parents who instructed them, or if they did, they didn't honor and obey those parents. So what's the answer? Well, take a look at verse 4. First, a really important word there at the beginning, fathers. It's so important. But he goes on, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Another translation you might be more familiar with, don't provoke your child to anger. Do not exasperate your children. Don't provoke them. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So right now, you may be thinking, okay, I want to be a better dad. So what does that look like? Where do I go for that? What is it that Scripture teaches and God commands? Moms and dads are equal, but they don't bear equal responsibility. Moms and dads both have responsibility for the well-being of the children, but the dad bears the primary responsibility. That's the teaching of the Bible. Now, here's the big idea. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then your desires are the desires to follow the Word of God because the same Spirit that inspired Scripture that lives in you makes you want to obey yourself. You see, God's answers for you and me to understand that God is our Father. And when you realize how God fathers us, then you in turn will father your children. And he gives us two categories. Do not exasperate or provoke your child. Your child. Instead, bring them up, raise them up in the instruction, the training of the Lord. Don't provoke them, but train them and raise them. So first, how does a father exasperate or provoke their child? There's a long list we can come up with, but I'm going to highlight a few. This is true for moms as well, but I'm speaking specifically to dads. One way to think of it is like a bank account. And this works across all relationships, in fact. Think of it like a bank account, where encouragement is a deposit, criticism is a withdrawal. And how we exasperate, how we provoke, is by taking more withdrawals than we are giving deposits. So lots and lots of encouragement then. This can be a card, a text, a verbal affirmation, a kiss on the forehead, a a hug. Now, you and I as parents, we're also going to have to make some withdrawals because our kids sin. But what provokes them is when they feel like the parent is being more of a critic than a coach. 
That all you're there to do is point out their flaws and never help bring solutions. Another way that a parent in general, but fathers in particular, provoke their children to anger is physical and verbal intimidation. Now, folks, physical intimidation is abuse. That's violence. Verbal intimidation shapes a child's identity that is so devastating for them. When they hear, you failed again. You'll never make the cut. You make my life miserable. Those kids will either rage against their parents, especially their fathers, or they'll just altogether leave. Another way you exasperate your child is by being emotionally absent, always working on your job, on the yard, on the car, uh, on the phone, TV watching, you can't be interrupted. The final one I'll mention is when we ourselves lack repentance. It works like this. You got a dad who says, what have I told you about that? And the kid says, well, what about you? You do the same thing. Well, I'm the father. And don't you know that child wants to say, no, you're the hypocrite. Let me just say, as parents, we're going to sin against our kids sometimes. We're going to bust them for something they didn't even do. They tried to tell us we weren't listening, so we got it wrong. Or we're going to say some things to them out of frustration that we shouldn't have. We're going to blow it. What do you do then? You repent. You go to your kids and say, look, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I ask for your forgiveness. How many of you never had a dad like that? You never heard that from your dad. Your dad never said, I was wrong. That's what it means to be the head of a household, to be the leader of the family. How many of you are thinking right now, man, Even though I'm an adult, if my dad were to have come to me and said, I think I blew it. I've been wrong this whole time. Do you think we can start over? How much of a weight would be lifted from your shoulders? All this means, man, is that we cannot abdicate nor delegate our responsibilities in child rearing. So how do we bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord? Two things primarily. One is by practicing godliness. That's about modeling. If your kids see you reading the Bible, what do you think they're going to want to do? Probably read the Bible. If your kid hears you praying out loud, what do you think that's going to do for them? It probably makes them want to start to pray. If your kid sees that it's not just mom dragging dad to church every Sunday, but the dad actually getting up and helping and getting the kids in the car with mom and on their way to church saying, hey, guys, we're going to worship God. Our family is part of God's family. And we're going there to learn, to love, to serve, to give. What do you think that'll do? They'll want to follow that example. But practicing godliness doesn't just start and stop one or two hours on a Sunday morning. What do you model for them in your business practices? 
What do you model for them in all your relationships? In seeing what's really important to you. In how you provide for them. How do you model loving their mom? And number two, by integrating instruction. Deuteronomy 6 talks about when you're sitting down with your kids, when you're traveling down the road, when you're having dinner, integrate, instruct, teach. So here's what that means practically. It means you wouldn't just drop your kids off at a mall all the time. Sometimes you'd be there with them. And maybe that's an opportunity to teach them. So let's say... This is very hypothetical, that your teenage daughter would allow you as dad to walk in the mall with them and be seen with them. But let's just say, for argument's sake, and you're walking by a store window, and there in the window is an outfit, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, let's talk about that, shall we? What is it that they're trying to portray about you? Do you notice how the neckline meets the hemline? I didn't have sons to raise. I had two daughters. So I would think as a, as a boy, too, as a dad of, of, of boys, a parent of boys, well, what should you be thinking? How should you be treating the other sex? So you mean like, wow, what? We can actually talk to our teenage daughter about her wardrobe? Yes, if you love her and want the best for her. Or, or maybe it's that you're, you know, sitting down as a family to watch TV and invariably there's some aspect of the show or some commercial that comes on that is so contrary in what they're portraying to the biblical convictions that you hold. It, it's real simple. You just say, you know, if we don't agree with that stance, you don't have to do what culture does. God has so much more in store for you. There's so many confusing messages out there. The answer is not, okay, well, let's just take away anything that has to do with TV or internet for my child to use. That's not the way to do it. You can't just shelter them. But do absolutely monitor it. This is parents, grandparents. Talk about it. Be, make these teachable moments. Most of you know that I am a huge Florida Gators fan. And some of you think, okay, that's his downfall. We'll get past that. Uh, that also means I'm a huge Tim Tebow fan. And if you know anything about Tim Tebow, then you know that he does not shy away from his Christian faith. I love this quote that's so appropriate in this context. Could be for any of us. And he says, You and I were created by God to be so much more than normal. Following the crowd is not a winning approach to life. In the end, it's a loser's game because we never become who God created us to be trying to be like everybody else. Finally, what this means is that we need a vision of God for what He wants to do in us and through us. How many of you, maybe you're the first link in a new chain And everything had to change with you because what was handed down to you as a legacy had nothing to do with with anything close to resembling biblical convictions. It was all about distance and, and 
isolation and unfaithfulness. But if you're that first chain and link, God bless you. I commend you. Keep going there. Maybe it's hard because you didn't see that enacted upon you and your family before you, but keep going now. On the other hand, how many of you are in the middle of several generations of faithfulness and love for Jesus and you'd say, you know what, my dad was a good guy. He loved me, he loved Jesus, he wasn't perfect, but I knew he loved and cared. Great. Then by the grace of God, continue that legacy. Dads is a sacred honor. Let's take on this responsibility. Because it's something the world is not going to do. Culture is not going to teach you. You will only discover it in the Word of God. But if the Holy Spirit is in you, then you will have the desire to become a father like our Heavenly Father. And be a blessing to your children as he's been a blessing to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our dad. For being the one who so completely, unconditionally, full strength, full on loves us. Wants only the best for us. And sometimes, just like in our own situations, our human relationships, sometimes that means saying no because we don't even understand how something may not be for our good. But you know the big picture. Help us trust you. Thank you that we all can learn. Learn from you how to, how to give off love to love our spouses, to love our children, that we, that we truly desire a closer walk with you. So Father, don't let it end here and don't let it end with us. We have an impact to make on the next generation. Whether we have biological children or not, who are those that are coming behind us? Maybe they're in our families. Maybe they're in our workplace, the next generation. Maybe uh, they're in our neighborhoods. Maybe it's this church family. And we're investing in them because we want to see lives changed, eternities altered with the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray the prayer that he taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.